podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett, and with me to um, review and preview the upcoming, um, I'd say, make or break. It's, make or gonna, it's the block of games between now and the World Cup that's going to make or break the season. Uh, and to join me and help me, help me look at this insane period, uh, I do have um, my uh, my namesake uh, and resident data collection expert, Mr. Daniel Rhodes. Evening, Rhodesy. Evening. Uh, not seen much football over the past. No, <laughs> what feels like three years. Um, but um, yeah, Yorkshire might have been relegated in the cricket, and England lost to Pakistan tonight. So, well, you, are, you, are, you, are you prepared for the possibility? <laughs> it's not. Are you prepared for the possibility of Yorkshire getting relegated? Well, they haven't scored enough runs. You've got to score runs when you're playing cricket. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's either, yeah, well, it's either last year's champions or Yorkshire that go down. Anyway, who knows? How crazy is that? Anyway, anyway, that's enough nonsense. We're here to walk footy. Uh, but no data collection for you, Rosie. So well, you've had a couple of weeks off. Yes, it's been a nice, nice break. Well, the last game was Ajax, and that was a lovely collection. The one before that was one of the worst things I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. films. And now you've got double headers every week until mid-December. No, no, end of November, isn't it? End of November. And we're going to come to that. Yeah, but we do have our most practised sports scientist. He's had he's had more clubs than Tiger Woods. It's Mr Simon Brundish. Evening, boys. I cannot deny being uh, watching more football than, than you guys in the last couple of weeks, I imagine. Every yeah. goddamn day, but yeah. So, are you, are you, and I hear you've recently been promoted from Derby Ladies to Derby Men's first team coach, right? Is that correct? I've yeah. seen social media today. <laughs> yeah, so it seems that way for sure. Pe- people in Aldi definitely twin, think it, so. Who was it? Paul Paul Warren? Yeah, is Warren. It? Yeah, like Shane. Yeah, but um, but it's like I, I'm 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 believing this is some kind of uh, white bald fella racism. You, well, you I was going to say you might be a white Warren. bald fella. Gone. He might be called Warm, but he hasn't got Shane's hair weave. <laughs> Bob. <Bo-bom. laughs> anyway, you should, uh, see, yeah, you should so... see the rest of the ball fellas that just came with him. There's, he's like he's he's the youngest of the four guys he brought down. Is one of them Lee Carsley? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Cars is at the under twenty ones. Oh right, so he's already there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they got you in, and they got you involved with the ladies team, please. Okay, yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> and have you been mistaken for him yet? <laughs> Actually uh, mistaken for him? Yeah, like 40 times. Because you're in your Derby trackie? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Do you, know, and do, 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 you go, do you go along with it yet, or do you say no? I've got, no, no one actually speaks to me. It's it's just very obvious. Look, he's there. He's there. Oh, double takes. That, is yeah. that him? Yeah, is, yeah. like little kids. Is that him, Dad? <laughs> yeah, it looks like him. That, that is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Jesus. Anyway, right. Enough nonsense. Liverpool. Right. Um. Sorry, Premier League is back. So. Right, I said it's make or break. I said it's insane. Um, just how insane is it going to be? Very. We've got 13 games, 43 days. That is not very long to play. Play uh, 20. We've got 24% of the season's worth of games if we play, if we go on to play 54, which is an average amount for Liverpool. Uh, and, we, and it's 13% of the season. Wow. So hopefully at some point it will ease off and it will allow it will allow us you know uh, five games in three weeks or something like that which which is a, a slight relent but uh, this is this is health as Gelter. this is a game every three point two days it's madness um, and we we're gonna we're gonna have to use a lot of our players wow so it's basically for in U, in UP terms it's double header after double header. Double header, double header after double header, but but this way, as Gags put weeks. it, as Gags put it, this is like Christmas, but for seven weeks. But apart on, on top of what we usually, because this is this is typically a busy period anyway, and we usually excel at October, November. It's usually yes. like peak time. Yeah. But the difference between now and typical seasons in this period, apart from we've got four more games in this period than than in the usual period, right? is the quality of those games. We don't have any of the shitty cup. So this is Champions League, Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, Champions League, Premier League. No kids are getting rotated in here. This is the first team have got to play 17 games in 43 days. Yeah. Just a quick point, Si. What are our average changes? Because the chart I've been given gives us a, just under 2.5 changes a game on average this season. That's not enough, is it? Yeah, 2.3. There we go. Yeah, that's what I've got. Exactly that figure. That's um, not enough, is it? <laughs> no, it's probably not. Well, it's definitely not enough for the next period. But um, we, it, it's very similar to to how we've we've uh, played the first block of games in the past. Um, so the first, so let's uh, up until the Champions League. Uh, up until the first international break last year, it was. 2.6 changes but we had a bunch yeah we had a bunch of injuries but like what what promotes changes is that we have a bunch of small injuries so there's somebody gets injured and then and then they're back again so they get back in the team which creates change rather than we have this time an average of 10.3 injuries per game and they're not available so then it's, there's not the churn. There's not the there's not the players available to give a turnover or players coming back from fit, fitness to get back in the team. So it looks like that it's worse than it it would usually be, if that makes sense. Just because there's a restriction of of actual numbers, but thankfully we've got a whole bunch of lads hit hitting um, training full team training yeah. again or are about to in the next week. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hopefully see a completely different team um, by Arsenal than we were seeing three weeks ago so, before Thiago and Jota came back. So what's kind of your, your kind of peak 
um, number of changes per game. Is it somewhere around four? I remember you giving me a figure when, when there's this density of games. Yeah, it will be it will be just over four. I think yeah. that's that's optimal for for chronic load management. And then, do you think it'll change with the five subs? Then maybe, maybe. I, I if we'd have talked about this before, I could run an actual number per. Per, yeah. uh, per for the players, but um, do you know what we might be able to do that because you know that we have that each player has um, injury thresholds, a chronic yeah. load injury threshold. Yeah. So to keep so for instance, um, Tiago's is 108 minutes a week. Yeah. So you can quickly do the maths with that. So he needs to build up to the capacity to do more than 100 minutes a week, which he hasn't done yet because he hasn't been playing. We haven't had more than one game a week. So it's harder to to create that, though he's had two weeks of training. So they could have been treating it like one and a half games, then two, then mm-hmm. 1.7 games, then two games a week over the last two. So it's possible he's getting close, but I would suggest it will be the second week after the international break before he's ready to, to uh, start two full, you know, sixties. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so all the players have a number. Matip gets injured when he plays more than 96 minutes a week. Right. So that, you know, is inbuilt in that you have to. Yeah. Well, if you remember back to last year though, I mean, in the the Champions League group phase, I mean, um, Virgil only played like two of the, two of the six Champions League group games last year. So, and you know, so it was clear then it was like people were being rotated, and there was there was a lot there was a lot of heavy rotation in those Champions League games. But I mean, I, I'm, personally, I was always going to expect the same things against um, you know against Rangers and uh, Ajax, but um, maybe because of such a bad start, um, we we might not have that luxury. Say, it's such a bad start. We lost one game. Mm. So yeah, yeah, but then we we lost the game we should. Yeah, 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 we lost the game we should, and now we're. I think we're in a decent position. We've it's it's worked out well the schedule in that if we get if we beat up Rangers, then we're back in a normal position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then by the time Napoli at home comes round, we probably can rest a few. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So what's the um? Do we have any? actual what do you call them training days or rest days you know is it game day plus two and then and it is recovery day and then it's a then it's a rest day or training do we have any of those in this next block of games and how many do we have so we have it so it's game day plus four is the fully recovered day and we have one of those in the next we have one between (laughs) and it's the first week as well so so it's we get brighton rangers tuesday um, and then we play Arsenal Sunday. Oh, so the sat sat that Saturday. Saturday is, that, is the game day play, game day four. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and that we, is it. Wow. And it looks to me like we've got one, two, three, four, four matches, five matches if you include the EFL on two day turnarounds. Yeah, game day plus three. Yeah. That's that. That's where you need the rotation. So that's, that's where the high intensity distance stuff plays plays a significant role. So the so both so Rangers the, matches. Yeah. The eights are going to get rotated a lot. The fullbacks are going to get rotated. I imagine one fullback gets rotated a week and and both eights interchange. Yeah. 
and then you got the West Ham and the Forest matches after in after Man City, and I'm assuming that's because of scheduling TV because the City games on a Sunday, and the Forest games on a Saturday or something. But yeah, we've got two day rests there between West City, West Ham and Forest, and then between Spurs and the EFL. But then that's going to be academy lads, right? Fingers crossed. Yeah, you'd expect them to be fully academy lads in there. Yeah. All right. Did, did you see? Did you incidentally? Uh, um, did you guys see that um, the the Premier League are voting to have under twenty ones in the EFL? What permanently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, it be, for it to be an under twenty one competition for champions for European teams. Oh well, I don't mind that. It seems sure. seems like a good idea to me. It's, it, it, that that aligns much more closely to like how the the big European countries do this yeah uh, set up so in that case then the the like liverpool chelsea last year would be the last big showpiece league cup final effectively with you know two big teams going toe to toe yeah yeah, yeah okay. you'd, th- you'd, you'd think also it's weird like could you just watched uh, i know we're going to tangent a little bit but you just watched your first ever um wsl game didn't you yeah yeah, let's, um, let's talk about the result, though. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. no. We're, we're, it's, the only, it's the only way that Everton can win at Anfield is to play, <laughs> play their women. But um, <laughs> the the um, the even in uh, women's teams, the, the weird that thing that happened after uh, United played went on the World Club Cup tour to to Brazil, and yeah. then they they played the res- <clears throat> ever since that like some weird paradigm shift. Um, where teams start, the top teams start to play, um, yeah, like more of their reserves, more of their squad players, and then over the last ten years, the rubbish teams in the Premier League didn't go. Oh, let's take advantage of this. They also start to play their yeah. squad players in there, which is weird. And this weird thing that I saw occur over the weekend because we played a, a FA Cup games the last week as well. The, the the WSL teams and even the women's championship teams were playing their reserve, their squad players in their cup. Wow! So it's become part of the culture. Wow! So I wonder if we go under twenty ones for the European teams, it might make those lads play stronger teams because they think they 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 might actually have an opportunity to wow. win it. So it's 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 twenty five years since probably since Arsene Wenger. And then um, with his with his youth Arsenal teams, and then you know Man United with um, you know Keith Gillespie, and you know the, the likes of what that that was that was that about ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight that period. Yeah, it's more than twenty five years, but it, it yeah. was ni- uh, Keith Gillespie was ninety five. Right, so it's almost thirty years then. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. But yeah. they, I think, I think the World Club Cup was ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the FA. That was that was the turning point for the FA Cup for sure, for sure. I remember yeah. um, after talking about. Under twenty threes or someone playing the League Cup, mm. you know, it being a thing. Yeah, in other countries for sure. Right, should we talk about um, how ready we are for this insane period? Then, say, si? um, how is our injury situation? First of all, have we picked up any new ones on during international break? Either players who've gone away or people who've stayed at Anfield. Yeah, no new injuries. We Good. have we have uh, Jota as as. Uh, uh, played a little over a hundred minutes over the course of two weeks, so he's starting to build up his his chronic load. Yeah. Darwin has has had a full game and then a good sixty three. Yeah, uh, and scored. Diaz has played one and a half games as well. Um, only Virgil and uh, 
and Simi of the outfield players have played two full games while they've been away. Right. We've got a bunch of goals. We've got no injuries. Um, and um, the rest of the lads probably got an opportunity to to either what how people would see it, rest up or um, develop appropriate uh, chronic playing loads. So they, they can top up or um, uh, refresh over this period so that they're ready to fly for the next block. And, and some people had that, that idea that we've, we've just strategized around peaking a little bit later this season and treating the first block as part of preseason. So you buy that? No, but if it, but it is, I suppose it's possible. And if it's true, this is where we start to fly. Well, that, that's the hope, I guess. Um, so um, let's talk about the injured players. Um, uh, Ox, I guess, and he's still long term with his injury. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to be involved in this period at all. No, I think Ox is probably done until you, you might expect him to come back at like World Cup just after the World Cup. Okay, uh, Naby Keita. Naby is supposedly we've we've talked to the conspiracy stuff, but um, <clears throat> he's he's supposed to, supposed to be back in in training next week. Okay. Good. Uh, Andy Robertson. Uh, Robbo is probably another he week. He didn't go to Scotland out. at all, did he? He didn't. didn't no, go. he didn't. No, that's not good. And and he's probably another. We're looking at the city game for him coming back. I think. Right. Okay. But Simicast is okay. You say. Smikas is, is is not only okay, he's flying. Yeah, but yeah, but that's the thing which we don't but you you know, just I know he's a really good player, but you still don't want him playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, do you? No, but I think we're probably looking at three times that that to happen. So right. so like three games in a row rather than three weeks of doing it. Okay. Talk about one of our, another one of our big players, um Ibrahim Kanate. Uh Ibu, I think he's back in training. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so 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 his 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 Nothing injury, to quote Simon Brundish, air quotes, nothing yeah. injury. He walked off two months. Yeah, two and a bit. Wow. Do we even know what it was? Uh, it was an adductor thing. Okay. So quite serious or moderately? No, just, it was just a thing. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, just a freak, a freak occurrence. Yeah. It's mad that we never actually said, they never gave any kind of diagnosis of what they never revealed what it was that they, no one said. Well, they like to not unless unless somebody leaks it and then they have to talk about it. But they right. they do tend to not talk about it at all unless yeah. they have to. What's yeah. interesting is we, we've t- you've talked about some injuries here, and then on, on the um, injury website, I don't know if it's Ben's or one of the others. It's got Kanate as a knee injury. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got it's got Oxley Chamberlain back on the sixteenth of October. Well. We shall see. We shall so, see. So I mean, but this is what I'm just trying to portray to the listeners. Don't take much that you hear about injuries as fact. Well, yeah. Even for even from Klopp. <laughs> Don't take Especially that as fact. From Klopp. Especially from Klopp. <laughs> right. Uh Jones, Curtis Jones, say you last time you won, I think you said it was kind of like growing pains type of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. related. So, so this sounds bad. Sorry, I think uh, he is he is about two weeks out. Okay. So, but it was was it a stress? It wasn't a stress fracture though. No. Yeah. Like it, it was. Yeah, it's the equivalent of a stress fracture. Because yeah. when you when when a, when a fast bowler gets one of those in cricket, they're out for like nine months. Yeah, it depends where. 
All right. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So I, I had a stress fracture in, in my lumbar spine and it was debilitating for, for like eight years, but um, you get, you can get a, a stress tibial fracture and you're, and it's three weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ginger Kev, Quevin Kelleher. Uh, I think Ginger Kev is just about back now. Okay, good. Um, that was muscle, right? Yeah. He, and, I think the knee kicked the ball and it was went bad or something. Yeah. Yeah. More adductor stuff. And Calvin Ramsey? I have no idea about Calvin Ramsey. Did he go? Did he go with Scotland, Roti? Ramsey? I don't. I, I don't think so. I'm not even sure he exists. <laughs> they said this. I think. Oh, I don't know. Again, we're talking about clock, but I think you mentioned that it was about uh, like a, a back injury, a growing injury, something like that. Right. I'm not going to speculate. What? What? While we're talking about Ramsey, right? What? What do you reckon of the chances of him getting into the team are? Well, this is it. I mean, he, I think he's going to play Milner there before him. Me too. And 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 um, Joe Gomez. I, I think Joe. Go, yeah. I, I think Joe Gomez is probably first reserved to Trent, and then Milner after that, and then Ramsey. I always go. I always go with a young guy seemingly against you two, and I, and I would say that I think Ramsey is Trent's deputy. So we will well, see. I, I think he's the long term deputy, but. I, I, I don't think he is trained, so he he has no, no, no concepts. He has true. no concepts of of um, of the unit of how we play. So he can watch as much TV as he likes. He can sit and watch training as much as he likes. But unless you experience it firsthand and see see how how the shape looks over the out the corner of your eye and over your shoulder, and and the rhythm of uh, the contraction and the expansion of of the back four in relation to the midfield. You just you you just you need reps. I agree. I think maybe you, you, you I think it maybe it'll be Gomez until maybe the, the, the a couple of League Cup games or maybe until the new year. But I, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, maybe maybe Ramsey's debut full date. Maybe Ramsey's full debut will be in the um, Caribou in the, in the EFL game. Yeah, December. Yeah. No, yeah, no November, November. Yeah. November 12th, yeah. 16th, I think it is. Yeah. And is that it? In injury points? Have, have we covered everybody? Uh, oh, Hendo. Hendo. Oh, uh, yeah, Hendo's back. Hendo was, in, Hendo was proper full training this week. So. He didn't play anything with England, did he? No. He get on. There, there were the rules, but he was in proper full training. Okay. Um, just on a bit of a, just a, a slight tangent, talking about England, say, um, you've been giving Southgate both barrels all week um, over Trent. Shh, you can't say that. Put yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to say on the pod? <laughs> uh, not not that I wouldn't say to his face. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, Only one of us here gets to say it to his face. Um, he, let's just say, We've talked we talk about all the time on here about players being humans and like the world and fans talk about players as if they're commodities, as if they're machines and robots. And um and similar to um how we talked about Naby and Real Madrid, uh I, I just think this guy has devastated one of the great talents of the country. But forget that he's a great talent of the country. He's devastated a 23-year-old in front of the world twice. I just, I, you know, there's that whole let's, um, like, it's great that he doesn't play and stuff. 
for minutes of the minutes for the Liverpool instead of England and blah 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 blah. Let him rest, and he looks he doesn't look fresh. But but he's humiliated him twice publicly in front of everybody. That's not good for his self esteem, for his psyche, for his mental health. Let's say it's definitely not good for his confidence. No, I mean the comments after the um, the Germany game were just completely egregious, weren't they? They were so unnecessary. I mean, but I guess that's indicative of a manager under pressure, right? Yeah, and he's yeah, basically yeah. trying to deflect from himself being under pressure by making a because he knows that the Trent would be a massive story. But deflecting it to a twenty on a twenty three year old. Yeah, no, it was sly. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I really disagree. I really. Um... Agree with disagree, um, disagreements about Klopp, but I thought he was spot on about the one with Nabe, and I think he's spot on about this one with um, Trent Southgate. I think Southgate's a decent guy as well, so I, I'm surprised that he's done it. He didn't need to do it. He didn't need to say this. He could have just said, I'm just going to pick my team, and I'm going to pick the team that I think is best. And he didn't need to send him back. So none of this needed to happen. Didn't need to be a story. He's made it a story. Um, can I can I expand like on Klopp, this? Right, Club did like Club did taking Nabby off. Yes, after thirty odd minutes. But um, but yeah, yeah. Let, let me expand on this. The, the, is the correct word. He did not need to publicly call him up. Right, there are players around camp all the time that aren't officially in the squad. So if he wanted him to just be around training, he could have just had him around training. That he publicly called them up in the first place was a PR move. 100%. Then, then him, his public dressing down after the game, saying that there are three better all-round players than him, that was just... It was, it was so weak and totally unnecessary and it was it was entirely him um excusing his shortcomings as a coach by blaming the kid yeah 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 but yeah he's under pressure but the fa can't afford to sack him can he either so he's probably going to see out his contract anyway south kick but anyway so the circus will go on um and I just want to say uh, on Trent, though, he has been amazing stat from um, Adam Bates at Ghost Goal on Twitter from Sky Sports. He's one of their data guys. Um, that Trent has been the most creative player in the Premier League um, since the last World Cup um, in terms of expected assists, even more than Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, just let that sink in. Trent, Trent's created more chances than Kevin De Bruyne. That's how good he is. But, um, yeah. per, per 90. In a, role, in a role that suits him, lots of people do say mm. that's the whole point. But if, you're, if you've got world-class, like, generational talents, like Sai says on Twitter, if you've got those players available to you and you don't adapt your system around that, then I can understand him if he wants to play a defensive system with players sitting back and just holding, holding the line and just playing slightly on the counter occasionally. If that's what he's going to do... I don't think Trent's the guy to do it. So I don't mind that, but just say that. Yeah, don't even call him up in the first place. Just don't, yeah, don't say, don't say I've got a player here. I've got, I think Trippier is a better all-round player than Trent. Just, just a 32-year-old Kieran Trippier. It's just absolute nonsense. <laughs> he's just, if you want to say he's better at one-on-one defending, 
fine. Yeah. But I even in a deep block No, let's get it right. It's got to be in the tactical system as well. He's better in a deep block. Trippier is absolutely miles worse than Trent if he's bombing forward, yeah. trying to be the best creator in the Premier League. It's not but, even close. But even defensively, I, I, I just think there are stories that have been created around Trent that aren't real. He is not in the greatest of form this season. But generally, right. over the last three years, Trent has been above fine defensively. It's he isn't he isn't a vacuous hole. It's not um sticking Emil Heskey at left back here. That he he is he is a perfectly serviceable right back whilst being the greatest attacking right back talent of all time. Yeah. That but he is absolutely serviceable as a right back. Just if if you look at plus minus while he's on the pitch, right? That um, per 90 over the last four years, Trent Liverpool concede fewer goals per 90 with Trent on the pitch than um, the defensive Chelsea with Reese James do, and or any Kieran Trippier team over the last, even even adding in the, the Atletico Madrid nonsense, who and Atletico Madrid never come out for over the halfway line. Exactly. And 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 Trent still sees fewer goals go go in behind him, and I don't think the system is constructed to cover for Trent's frailties. I think there is, the system is constructed so to make the most of Trent's talents, but he still has to defend. Otherwise, Klopp would just play him on the right wing. Yeah, I. I... In this debate, I always struggle to comment on Trent because everyone knows I'm biased, but there's been moments of really quality defending this season and there's been moments of frailty. Um, and and Simon made a really interesting point. I think it was in the last point, last podcast, about Trent having to run up and down the, the sideline and just genuinely being knackered. <laughs> so sometimes your concentration goes and sometimes you don't trap your man. And sometimes that happens, and people call that form. But but if you're being exposed that much, it's going to happen. Whereas he, when he when he is in position to defend, I think his one on one defending is excellent. So anyway, <laughs> let's get off Trent because it's Southgate's issue, not ours. Yeah, I mean. England have kept one clean sheet in the last six competitive matches. So, and barely, and barely created a goal. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you need? The best goal creator in the Premier League? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. You just think about all those elite creative talents in the Premier League, and Trent's better than them all in terms of the output. Yeah. Anyway, right. That's enough. Um, that's enough, Gareth Southgate for this show. Right. Um, so, um, final, final. Um, Thought from you um, on the period ahead. How well placed do you think we are for this for this make or break period? I, I think actually we're really well placed in the 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 poor patch was long enough to change people's minds about Liverpool and they start to create this like idea of doubt of <clears throat> could this be could this be the end for Klopp? Could he have lost something? Could the players uh, be uh, be past their peak and and Mo's not playing well and Virgil's now rubbish and Trent is terrible. And I think we just had a lot. I think the lot we've talked about why, but lots of reasons behind um, 
the results not quite being as good as they should be or no, not being as good as they could be, but also they weren't as good as they should have been. Uh, uh, if you look at the underlying stats, but now we've got a whole bunch of lads just coming back to fitness that are really, 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 really good lads that Tiago, obviously, but okay. everybody grossly underestimates Tiago Jota. Hmm. And having that extra player makes the world of difference to Liverpool and to the players around him and to the ability of Klopp to rotate and keep them fresh and keep them f- keep them with fire in their bellies and and they're not dulled by by just overuse. And so it gives Trent an extra target going in behind and it gives it frees up Mo a little bit and uh, that we've got a bunch of extra midfielders that are just going to be uh, able to rotate and you can make the most of having Fab and Thiago in together. And uh, this Arthur kid, he looks serviceable to me. Well, and I, I like the stuff he does. We missed we miss that. We missed that because he is in addition. Um, Artur, um, he didn't go away with Brazil. He's not in the squad these days. Um, he stayed behind, Sai. Um do we expect him to be used? I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be pretty much play, in. Play two think, of the twenty-one games, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be pretty much in the Champions League eleven. I think he's going to be one of the, the eight in the Champions League fixtures, every single one. And I think he might have played bits and bobs in the Premier League. That's that's my, that's my, that's my opinion. Sorry, what do you think? I think by the, the by the end of this period of these thirteen games, I will think he will have played the fourth most minutes of a midfielder. After nice, I don't. I'm not entirely sure how it's gonna fall, but my guess would be Fab Thiago Hendo. After okay, no, at all. No, okay. Yeah. Okay. My, my I, I, I think Harvey Fab loses Thiago, some. Elliot Arthur Henderson. But, uh, that's how I prefer it to be. <laughs> um, but we we but uh, we know what Klopp's like. Yeah, and he then has, we had a big row on the last part of you know. Do, do we, do we, I didn't think he was ready, but you know, he's uh, so yeah, so he apparently he's he's back on, he's got his own personal fitness trainer side. Uh, like this, this, I, I don't like that, I don't think it's true. Uh, it's, why, why do, it's just one of those narratives it's personal people, nutritionist because Liverpool's one's not good enough, you know. The so. personal fitness, personal nutrition, personal physio is it's just like the stuff you hear, um, from, from newspapers that like to feel clickbait, but it was um, from his own Twitter account or his yeah. by his, his PR people, I guess. Uh, yeah, like if if he, I, I would. I would have walked into changing into the changing room um, with uh, Fabinho's wife and <laughs> and gave him every expletive you could find <laughs> um, uh, to get rid of whoever the extra yeah so just just staff are so would your opinion on this since day one of this podcast yeah so so just just for instance right if it was revealed that Artur did have an insta trainer you'd be going down around there with a double barrel shotgun right yeah i'll go and punch him in the face yeah okay but he right so quickly two things if he needs to get fit because he hasn't been in training at juventus why didn't he have the personal trainer then yeah exactly uh, and why you, there is only so much physiological adaptation a body can achieve is open to, is susceptible, receptive to, 
And that's the stuff needs to be guided by Liverpool's team. Yeah. Liverpool's team of backroom staff. He is here full time. And that's what they'll be he'll be um experiencing. And so any extra is just gonna is extra on top of that, on top of optimal levels of training adaptation, is detrimental. So it'll actually be worse for him. He'll get less fit because you just overtrain. So it's pointless. It's silly. We already have world-class staff. All we have to do is, is be exposed to that. And he is, and he has been, and he's getting much fitter. And he's also get ready, getting used to the training methods. And that I'm not on board with any of the nonsense about Klopp not wanting him because he wouldn't have signed him in the first place. If, if Klopp signed somebody he didn't want in his sixth season of, of his power at Liverpool, he is not the man that we all believe he, he is supposed to be. Agreed. Okay. Um, I'm, ha- I'm happy that you're happy we're in a good place for this make or break period. Right. So, Rosie, let's look at this other thing. Right. So, we have now got to make sure, uh, I think it's fair to say, we, we can't just repeat the level of performance from the first block of games in this because we will be out of the title race for sure if we're not already out and um, we will be struggling to qualify in the Champions League if we if we repeat what we've just done, right? So what do we need? What are the big things that we need to improve? You've taken a look at this for us and about what we've so, done. So the season summary so far, I've had a look at two things. I've had a look at all the games, Champions League and Premier League, um, and our goals per game is 2.25 and 1.38 for the opposition with a 0.88 goal difference. 1.38, that's for a start, that's too high. It's far too high. 40% too high. <laughs> yeah, at best, yeah. at least 40% um, too high. Non-penny goals, 2.1 to 1.2. It's okay. It's not going to win the league. It's probably going to be comfortable for Champions League. I shot volumes ridiculously high this season, at this stage. It was last season at this stage, but we had more points. Um, it's 19.5 and um, nine against. I've also had a look at a season summary minus the outliers, so minus Bournemouth and Napoli. I just thought we conceded nine big chances in that Napoli game. It was a massive shit show. The Bournemouth game was obviously a huge outlier. We've never scored nine or eight um, on the clock. So I've taken out those. And if you take out the Bournemouth and Napoli games, we've scored 1.33 goals per game this season. That's rubbish. And we've conceded... I can, com- I can confirm <laughs> that is rubbish. <laughs> we've conceded 1.17 with a goal difference of 0.17, which is terrible. But the, non- the non-penalty XG is similar to what it is, yeah. including both those games, which is okay. It's not good enough to win the league, but it's okay. The shots is... Similar, it's 12 compared to 10.3 difference. Shots on target, for and against, is very similar. Shots in the box is similar again, 8.63, including the games, 9.83 without the games. My main issue was the Napoli conceding nine big chances, so we were point, we were minus 0.25 difference from big chances, which is mid-table. Um, yeah. And... If you take out those both of those games, it's 1.83 each. That's rubbish zero. as well. So that's mid-table. Yeah, I can confirm that is rubbish as well. Oh, that's rubbish. Um, and the shot quality is actually 
not point nine six. Jesus, uh, really? That's league average for, for, for us without the Bournemouth for Napoli games, and not point one two four for the opposition. Yeah. So we are. So even though <clears> the big points are equal, we are taking too many shots in poor positions, either with because there's too many players blocking the shots. Because we've taken plenty of shots inside the box, there's, there's no issue there. Taking plenty of shots inside your box, but we're not. We're taking shots. At, there's no point in taking a shot if there's four people in front of you. So our shot quality is poor, and the opposition shot quality is excellent. Um, now coming to look at our shot zones, if you go to understats figures, we have scored. Um, three goals outside the box from 0.76 XG in the Premier League. So we're over, overperforming there, which is what you'd expect. If you were they to... all in the Bournemouth match? <laughs> Not sure. I think Diaz had another one maybe in another game. Oh, in Palace, wasn't been. it? Palace. It might yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we've scored five goals from 7.3 XG inside the penalty area and six from 6xG inside the six-yard box. So there's not that much of an issue there. We're not... Yeah, when, you know, what we always say is good teams um, usually outperform their XG by, you know, typically a ratio of 1.1 to 1.15 more than their XG. Yeah. Over, yeah. So what we'd want to see is, what did you say our XG was inside the box? Um, inside the penalty area, it's seven point three three, and we scored five. So normally, we we probably want to see if we were eight from seven point three three, that would be you know a nice yeah. that would be a typical level of overperformance. But yeah, so we'll that, probably three games. Me, yeah. That seems to be teams sitting deep when they're ahead against us. Yeah, because the other concern is our goal difference at plus one. And let let me emphasize this a lot. We've had nine minutes. At plus Lead, one goal yeah, yes, leading. That's right? just crazy, yeah. And then more than plus one, which is obviously the Bournemouth game, we've had 80 minutes at more than plus one. Yeah. And we've had 18 shots, seven goals from 5.5 XG. Wasn't it the, the only time we've taken the lead? To see, other than the last kick of the game against Newcastle, it's the only time we've been in the lead. Of course. Yeah. So that tells you a lot. So we haven't had any time this season in the Premier League to control a game. Most of our minutes, 308 minutes, have been at a goal difference of zero. 148 minutes we've had a goal difference of minus one. And we've scored four goals from 3.25, which isn't bad. But the point is, we've only had 89 minutes where we've been leading this season in the Premier League. Just unbelievable. <laughs> that tells you where the big issues lie. We aren't scoring first. We aren't hitting the target early on in games, and we aren't we haven't given ourselves a context to be controlling games, which is the key. In set pieces, to be honest, though, Dan, yeah. we've scored five goals from corners from two point two point seven four xg. Yeah, thirty two shots. So they're still a set piece set piece masters. Yeah. No, no, no. no that that's one of the, the, the few positives. Um... I mean, and, and, you know, based on our last podcast, didn't Verge score another header from a set-piece for Poland? Yeah. The break. Uh, and, oh, we've Netherlands, scored, sorry. and we've scored goals from set-pieces in the Champions League as well. 
obviously, the winner. Um, but in yeah. terms of league-wide, and I think league-wide trends is important, City, yeah. C- City are hugely ahead with a plus 12.7 non-penalty XG difference this season. Um, Arsenal are second at 8.27, but they've played an extra game and we're at plus 7.72. Yeah. Spurs are at 5.29. And then with the four teams that I think will finish top four looking at the data so far. And I think eight games, ten games is a, is a good judge, is a decent sample, is a good sample that analysts use. Yeah. Um, so at this point in time, I think this, this was the point in time last season where Simon was absolutely ridiculing Chelsea. You were as well, and we got uh, a great follow-on. Forget his name. But a great follow on Twitter. Sebastian Wittenberg. There we yeah. go. Uh, he did a brilliant analysis on Chelsea yeah. and they fell away. Yeah. So at this point, it looks to me like there's four teams who are going to be challenging. Arsenal don't look like the real deal in terms of winning it, but the numbers stack up. Um, yeah, so let's, we should... 14 non-pronly XG and six again. So Arsenal are pretty much averaging two XG per game in attack. Which is a good benchmark. As I said, that's a solid. Just, that's a, that's a just under one XG against. Yeah, just I'd say. Would you say, Rosie, that two XG per game with a goal difference of what XG difference of one per game is guaranteed Champions League? I would say it's. Yes. I'd Always. say it's ninety nine percent guaranteed Champions League. I, yeah, it's, it's it's a good research project, but I would say it's <clears throat> pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you would say about Arsenal is they have had a um, they have had an incredibly kind fixture schedule so far. And everybody, if you if you play FPL, everybody around the world is dumping Arsenal players because of their upcoming schedules. Anyway, there you go. You know, but also, I think Man City and Liverpool have as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have, we have, and yeah. The only one we were due to play was the Chelsea game, which got cancelled. Yeah. So, so Arsenal looking looking um, pretty solid there on a seven game sample, right? And um, the other one you mentioned, everybody's talking about is Spurs, Roti. Um yeah. Spurs are hot, right? As again, um, as as they were as as Chelsea's Conte were, um, they are hot in attack. Yeah, Spurs are hot in attack. Spurs have got the highest shot conversion percentage in the league at forty three point five. Um, uh, shots on target conversion rate forty three point five, um, with a sixteen point seven goal conversion rate, which is only behind Man City at eighteen point three. Oh, no, sorry, only behind Brentford at 18.3 and Man City at 19.5. So Man City are con- scoring one in five shots, which is <laughs> which is something else. And it's possibly down to, um, and I quote, I think it was uh, Jay Reid on a podcast who called him Cyborg Haaland. But c- c- scoring one in five shots, Dan, is extraordinary, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 20%, not- yeah, yeah. Um, so Man City is scoring twenty percent of their shots. Yeah, as a team. Well, that only they're hitting the target with only thirty-seven point three percent of the shots, which is decent, about yeah. average. Um, but scoring with twenty percent. So, so, so just while we're there, I mean, Sai, you, you've got all you've got numbers for all the big players: Ronaldo, Messi, Aguero, Gum, Salah, Suarez, Gum. No, none of these players average twenty percent conversion, do they? In you know over career or seasons, right? No, like last five seasons, Ronaldo's is nine. 
Um, yeah, the like the peak seasons for everybody. Messi apart, Messi's had thirty percent conversion at, uh, uh, in two seasons. Um, but like, set those aside. You like the the greatest strikers on earth are between eighteen and twenty three percent for yeah. for oh not for careers, just for their best ever season. So what you're looking at now is Brighton, Man City, <clears throat> Arsenal converting at. Like Brighton, Brentford, us, uh, City, they're converting like their um, prime Alan Shearer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even even with Haaland, right? And he is. Uh, let us acknowledge how good he is. City aren't going to keep up, you know, an eighteen twenty percent conversion rate for that long, are they? No, and and also as good as they are, as good as he is, he's also not going to be scoring a goal every every twenty two touches. Yeah. Also, okay. just just for some just for context for some of our shot figures, Dan, um, Man City have had the most attempts on goal with 118. We've had 117. Yeah, but we've played a game less. Arsenal have had 116. In terms of shots inside the box, we've had 92. The next best is Arsenal with 81. Spurs have had 78. Man City are fourth with 75, and they've played a game more. So there are some little niggly figures that tend to give me some confidence. And then I look at the big chances taken by every single side in the league. And Man City have had 29. So if you're creating and they've scored 15 of these 29, so they have... That's good. That's good. They're converting over 50% of their big chances. That's what we were last season, Rosie. Which is obviously the Haaland record. We've converted five of our 16 big chances. Yeah. Which is terrible. Yeah. It's underneath yeah. the average. But remember what I said at the season review part? Like we were the best, we had the best conversion rate in attack on big chances, and and um the opposition had the worst conversion rate of their big chances against us. And yeah. and we would so say we were top of both last season. I know there were some analysts who don't like big chances, but I still haven't heard a valid argument to me that says that they don't indicate some kind of good quality play by team to create them. Brentford a second with 22. Then Arsenal with twenty, then Brighton with seventeen, and we are fifth with sixteen big chances and five scored. Yeah, Brent, Brentford have scored ten of their fifteen big chances. You know, big chance conversion is around thirty. Is it 37 37%. Can I yeah. tell you something that just surprised me now that I just looked up? Right, Haaland's career thirty four percent. Yeah. So there you go. Not big chance career. Yeah. A career yeah. conversion, <clears throat> career conversion rate thirty four percent. Yeah, it just shows you how close the goal is. Close to shots. Yeah, he's 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 got the he's he's got the. If you look at the meters, wow. yeah, average, average shot distance ten point eight meters, and yeah. and Moses Moses like fifteen and a half. Yeah, it, but he's the best. He's got the best. Even with Dortmund, he had the the, the closest to goal average shot. I think they, when I looked at it, the only player who was close to him was the guy who's just gone to Newcastle, Isaac, and Ben Yedder. I think it was. Is, is he? Is he Seville? Ben Yedder, Valencia Seville. Yeah, he's not a striker, yeah. is he? He's a attacking mid. No, he's a no, striker. He's, he's a nine. He's a nine. Yeah, yeah. He used to. He used yeah. to play. Did he? Used, he played so, for Valencia. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he so, played Sevilla, and he, I think he's in France. I'm so, so, so he's at Monaco. Guy says. 
so we are in two minds about whether City now will cool off a bit because of Haaland's career conversion. So it's possible City stay at 18, 20% as a team, yeah? If he carries on at 37, 38% shot conversion rate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to Spurs then, Rosie, right? Yep. So Spurs are the hottest team in attack, even hotter than Man City, right? Yep. Okay. No, not hot in terms of conversion, but hot, they're, they're better in terms of hitting the target. Okay, and and outperforming their XG. Yeah. Okay. Also, this this I think shots. And before he really says no, it's shot. not. Before he says no, it's you know about humming son. No, it's not son because son didn't score at all all season, and I think he's now after the what was the game where he's got the hat trick. Yeah, recently. Yeah, in he, 28 he, minutes. Yeah, he's now three from 2.8 XG on the season. So, yeah, it's not... I think, I think it's important to look at... It's not just about goal score, isn't it? And big chances conceded this season. Spurs are top with six conceded. Then Brighton. Then Man City at seven. And Wolves at eight. All, Wolves are never going to concede many big chances because they don't like to attack. <laughs> um, but we've conceded 11, which is more than... Which is the same amount as Everton, is one more than Man United and two more than Arsenal. Now, obviously, we've played the same as United and a game fewer than Arsenal and a game fewer than Brighton, but Brighton have conceded just seven big chances in six games. So yeah. we need to be wary of that for Saturday. Um, shots conceded this season. Man City have only conceded 26. We've conceded 36. Arsenal 41. Chelsea 42 and Brighton 43. So, the fact that you're telling me all these things about yep. low volumes of shots conceded, Rosie, but loads of big chances, tells me it's just about shot quality. It's all about shot quality. It's about shot quality. It's just about, it's about the big chances. Spurs just conceded six big chances. And um, but Spurs have conceded six big chances, but 56 shots. I know. So that's... That's there's, a wonderful balance. There's definitely that's there's, what you want. There's there's definitely something. <laughs> there's definitely something right from the whole start of the Conte area about the way Spurs defend. Um, in terms of the, the opposition are only converting six percent of their shots against them um, this season, and I think after he joined last year, they had the lowest opposition shot conversion in the league as well. So there's definitely something in the way what he does with his with his defence, which which does definitely does suppress. Um, opposition scoring. Yeah, well, listen, listen to those numbers: fifty-six shots conceded and six big chances. It's nearly one in ten shots is a big chance. We've conceded um, thirty-six shots all season in the league and eleven big chances. It's nearly one in three. Yeah, <clears throat> you've gone from one in one in ten to one in three. That's and huge. Just, just, and yeah, and, and just, well, just on that, that, if you look at the average distance from goal of the shots, then Spurs are the best in the league. Eighteen opposition at outside the eighteen-yard box with the average shot again, eighteen point five meters. That's nuts. We've only conceded eighteen shots on target. We're second best in that as well. To, to yeah. Spurs. but um, with Brighton, yeah, Spurs have conceded twenty-three. But it's the quality of the shot. Yeah. If you've just conceded six big chances. And you've got a decent keeper. So Alisson could have saved five of them in a streak. Yeah. We could, we could have had five clean sheets had we had Spurs' defensive numbers from six games. Imagine that. Imagine the results. <laughs> so it's just the short-term 
the short-term numbers that we need to improve are we need to improve the shot quality. We need to create more big chances. We need to concede fewer. It's, it's so it's simple, isn't it? Well, it just shows you the whole the moment, moment, as we've said all the season, it's the, the balance of the team has been off all season. The attack, the attack is the, the attack is diminished and, and the defence is vulnerable. And you know, it's, it's what we've talked about on every single pod this season, isn't it? But if if you're someone who starts quoting the amount of shots we're having to somebody, you, you, you're talking nonsense. If you're talking the amount of shots we're conceding, you're talking nonsense. None of this matters. It's just basis numbers that don't just base numbers that don't have any relevance really mm. over such a short period of time. Because it's about shot quality. And we've just illustrated there that Spurs have got the best in terms of what they're conceding and Man City are converting at levels that have never been seen because of one particular player. But if you've just bought that player, then what do you need? We've we've also hit the woodwork more than anyone else this season, other than Brentford and West Ham. And Spurs, Spurs have been the t- <laughs> they would work four times as well. well I think that's yeah. so. So, anything you want to add to all that from Rosie? Say, I mean, what what do you what do you see in your you you collect data for fun as well? What what are you seeing as the the most important things that anything in addition to Rosie? No, I think I think it's I think it's they nailed it. I think it's totally right. But I think think the difference between. Um, Spurs and us is that they control the transitions. I think the thing, the difference between us before the international break and after after the international break is the way we will control the transitions. And you'll see us get back much more um, to normal to to normal levels of um, uh, rates of big chance creation, and also uh, let's diminish the the rate of the big chance creation against us because we're not caught out on the um, constant negative transition where they want to go. Yeah, so you've been saying that on every pod as well. Yeah, it's just control. Mm. So, um, so let's look ahead then briefly. Um, Brighton new manager. Um, I listened to. James Horncastle, um, Italian football expert, talk about him. Um, apparently, he's um, he's he's he, he's ruffled a few feathers in Italy with his counter, should we say, counterintuitive approach and what, the very un-Italian approach. And I'm wondering what if, if I heard from him rightly that he plays risky football and he likes playing out and breaking the press. Whether if it could be another helpful opponent like Ajax but the other thing I'm having in my mind is that okay will he change that much considering it's his first game and will he just basically just be a continuation of of uh of potable which has which has caused some problems in recent times um Brundish what do you how do you see it going um I think he has a team Chelsea have a team built around um potable and they brought Potter in so uh Tommy Tommy Tickle is just a slightly crazy of a German version of of Graham Potter. Yeah. Um they they No, but in they, terms of Brighton, sorry, sorry, in terms of for Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. The um who knows? <laughs> Literally, I know nothing about their their coach at all, um, other than he's a bit more eccentric and, yeah, so and he, he's a theoretically bit... he's a bit he's a bit more progressive, but you can't teach a team. No, you can't you can't radically overhaul how a team play. I think it's probably a good spot for us in that he will want to be seen to take the wheel, the training wheels off. 
and they might get a little bit giddy they're attackers and they might and so what 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 might happen is they'll become less compact in transition as they push up the pitch the, the forwards and their fullbacks will get a little bit ahead of play there'll be bigger gaps for us to exploit and then we get to pick them off and if we get ahead of them it could be five or six well well okay um, in the, <laughs> I've always liked Leandro Trossard. I think he's a terrific player. But he's always caused us problems. And Alexis McAllister has been one of the best players in the Premier League this season, I think. Um, so, um, one of the best getting... pressing players, Dan. Is one he? One of the best pressing players in Europe. Is he? He is. It's ridiculous. I've never seen him like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have. He was called Pascal Gross. Yeah. They've, they've replaced their old, previous, hard working creator with a new one. Yeah. It's, it's. I think this is so interesting because Y Scout have got a new thing that I think is every club analyst's dream, which is lost jewels in your own third. But they also supplement it with a, what happened after that phase, which is a shot or a goal after. So Veltman this season has lost eight jewels in his own third. And from that, the opposition have had three shots, one on target, 0.23 XG. So at the moment, there's a list of players that Lewis Dunk has lost five jewels in his own third. They've not had a shot. Um, McAllister's lost four. They've had one shot. So which side does Veltman play? Who would he would he be up against Diaz or would he be up against Salah? Yeah, no, yeah, Veltman would be Diaz. Okay. Um, but the the interesting thing about Brighton is they've lost. 41 jewels in their own third so far. Well, in the last five games, because it because Y Scout only does a five game report for some reason, which I hope. But is that I don't know what for, I don't I know. I hope someone's listening from Y Scout. Is, is that, that good out. or bad though? Is that good or bad, Rosie? Forty. Well, you, well, you look at you either looking at form or you're looking at. I think both would be good if you had both numbers. So if you had season num- long numbers and then your last five right. games, which is form. But anyway, they've not conceded any goals. And they've only conceded 0.6 xg from losing jewels in their own further season, so they're really good at recovering. But Veltman's the person to target anyway. That's that's another one. Their corners, Pascal Gross will takes them, and he take he's taken 17 corners in the last five games, nine from the left and eight from the right. They've had six shots from the corners. In the last five games, no goals. Point three okay. xg. So that's a clear, seem, that's a clear point of advantage seem, for us in this match. Then doesn't clear. seem like doesn't seem like there's a point yeah. of advantage in set pieces. Seems like quite easy to defend against. And well, well, Lewis Dunk, who someone is someone that we would consider quite strong in the air. Yeah, very. Um, has been terrible this season so far. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a target or not. For, in terms of who's going to pressure us when we're on the ball and playing it out, Danny Welbeck and Pascal Gross, the guys who have been doing it in the final third, and Alexis McAllister and Casido, the guys have been doing it in the middle third. They're the four to watch. Mm. Right, final one, Si. Um, what do you see... How how strong do you see us going for Sunday with 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 you know, players who are coming back from internationals? Because primary, if I, if I'm looking at this right, that remember right that D 
Diaz and Diaz played only yesterday, overnight UK time, right? Yeah. Um, is all, are all the internationals now finished? Yeah. So players are going to be coming back for what Thursday, maybe Friday. Uh, yeah. There's D- well, most players will be back tomorrow, and Diaz will be back tomorrow night. I think so. I think everyone else should be back in training tomorrow. And are you, are you think it's going to be the Ajax team? Maybe Hendo I... for Hendo for Elliot. Yeah, I think it's going to be as close to the first team as we've had out this season. Right. So Diaz, Jota, Salah, Fab, yeah. Fab Thiago, Hendo, Matip, Trent, Simicas, Virgil. That would be my thought, though it, there is a very real possibility it could be Darwin for Diaz. Because, and then... Just because of travel. But even even then, you know, he's he's only been in New York. Who, Columbia? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. As you remember from my message. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's the only reason I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Just um, for anyone listening, um, Diaz wasn't allowed to be tackled when he was doing a session with Red Bull. <laughs> on whose instructions? Well, either. I'm assuming the Colombian man his instructions, but maybe it was got. Yeah. If you've got a lot of 17, 18-year-olds trying to tackle an international, <laughs> <laughs> it might not end well. Yeah. I just wanted to, by the way, I just wanted to say that um, Alexis McAllister is so good this season. He actually played for played for Argentina yesterday. Um, he started a match for Argentina and sent a myth. So, yeah, that's uh, that shows you what the level he's improved to. Nice. Didn't um, the Julian Alvarez play as well? Yes. He scored. Yeah, thought so. He's not good enough to get in City's team. No. Shocker. No. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I missed my, my... Because I have to wear the goddamn wired headphones that because gags won't allow me to use... Because it improves the sound quality so much, you mean? Meh. <laughs> I think using Zoom fixed ever fixed all that. Oh, well, anyway, we're not going to try it without the high wired. Yeah, my point. My point being, I missed about a minute and a half of what Rosie was saying about ten minutes ago because I, I went to get a drink, um, and so I had to take the headphones off. Did he talk? Did he mention the set piece uh, XG for Brighton? Uh, we mentioned that we think we have a clear advantage on set plays. Yeah, that's okay. Then. I, I just wanted well, to point. Do you have the numbers? Uh, that's they've got a minus 1.79 xg difference, and we've got a we've got a positive 2.6 xg difference, so we will batter them from corners. Yeah, yeah, it could be like the IX game where we have literally six, seven, eight shots, right? From set plays, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have thought so. It's it's a really interesting chart, side um, from the analyst, the opto analyst on Twitter. Which was um, the proportion of passes ending in each third this season, and Newcastle have got the highest proportion ending in the final third at thirty-five percent, but Brighton a second with thirty-two. Is that a thing? Um, I, I think it. I think it. Sh- what it shows is a tactical approach that of the number of times you have to come out of your defensive third into your attacking third. 
So most of Liverpool and City's passes are in the attacking third, not into yeah, start, the attacking third. Starting, so that all included it, but ours will start and end in the third, yeah, whereas Newcastle... Exactly. Be, yeah, directly. Liverpool's and Man City's are virtually identical. 21 to 19 in the, in the in the defensive third, 51 to 54 in the middle third, and then 27 each in the final third. But I just thought that the, the Brighton and Newcastle, and they're, they're two of the tallest sides in the league. Yeah. yeah. It does surprise if me that, if that was the thing. Brighton, the second highest, does surprise me considering what Potter's game is all about. But it does. Me, I just, I was, yeah. I've got, it, I've got it in notes. But they have been good this season. They have been generally quite a good team this season in the Premier League, haven't they? I mean, they're like sixth for pretty much every all XG metrics, right? Underlying numbers. But aren't they brilliant at XG? Haven't they been brilliant at XG? No, for the well, large no, they part? were. They were the, they no, were the they were terrible for a couple of seasons. Yeah, and used to, yeah. Their Twitter account makes a big joke of it, doesn't it? Yeah. You love them. Was it last season or the season? Me, I, I've, I've, I've talked about for ages. In terms Brighton's, of their Brighton's XG has been insane, whilst their actual performance has been shitty. Yes, yes, un- yes. That's what I mean. They've underperformed their XG for years. Yes. Until last season when they started doing really well. Yeah. And this season when they are outperforming as well. Which is mad. Anyway, um, so we will be back um, on Monday um, to analyse the Brighton game. And I think we're, we're all pretty chipper. We're all looking forward to getting and going. And this is, as I said, this is the make or break period. So up the fucking reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.